Now, I don't know what maybe you've heard in the past or maybe some of the lies that you have believed, but no one is too far gone. No one is forgotten. No matter what you've done or what you've left undone or how far you may feel from God, God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. In love, God sent his son, the light of the world, that we may have eternal life. Our God is not dead. He's not distant. He's not disconnected. He came and he cares for us and he is close to us. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning, Point family. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So for the past three weeks on Sunday mornings, we have been walking through the first three books of the New Testament the first three Gospels, as they're referred to. On Wednesday nights throughout Lent, we've been talking about descriptions of Jesus and the various titles that he was given. See, there are four separate Gospels, but it's really one story, one master narrative, all about this Jesus. Pastor Adam previously has covered the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This morning, I get a chance to talk to you for a few minutes about the gospel according to John. So John is the fourth book of the New Testament. It's the fourth and final gospel. John is similar in some respects to the other gospels. It was written around the same time in the first century, somewhere between 70 AD and maybe 100 AD. It was written originally in the same language, Koine Greek. It was uh, written in similar in length, to the other Gospels. John is 21 chapters. It does write describing some of the same events in the life of Jesus, but John is very different and distinct from the other Gospels as well. So different that it's been said the Gospel of John uh, is about only, let's see, the Gospel of John said that only about 90% of that Gospel has parallel to the other Gospel accounts. So it's quite different. John is different in structure, in content, in wording. When Jesus speaks in John, there's a bit of a poetic language that's used in other parts of Scripture to distinguish the speech of God from the speech of man. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. So the book of John is referred to as non-synoptic. That's your $10 word for the morning. Non-synoptic. Synoptic comes from a Greek word meaning see together or see all together. Because you can look at the first three Gospels and see them together, see them in symphony with one another. You can't say that same thing 
about John because it is non-synoptic. So from the beginning of uh, opening words of John, you know this gospel is going to be a little bit different because in the place of a genealogy or maybe a birth story about Jesus, he goes back, way back old school, to the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. John tells us that Jesus was with God in the beginning. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we read, let us make in our image, in our likeness. I was probably 30 years old before I stopped and went, it's all this us and our stuff, God. Like me in the past, maybe you thought that Jesus comes on the scene only in the New Testament and we're introduced to him only in the Gospels. But John tells us that he was with God in the beginning and he was God. In in addition, the Jesus that we read about in John himself identifies with the Father. It's important to John that we fully understand the divinity of Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't just a really nice guy or a really smart teacher or rabbi. He wasn't just a prophet. Jesus was fully man, fully God. In addition to the divinity, uh, the theme of the divinity of Jesus in John, I would also say there are three L's that are recurring throughout the book of John. Life, light, and love. To that end, and perhaps like me, one of the first verses you ever read or had to memorize when you were younger, comes from John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, in love, God gave his son that we would have eternal life. The word life is used 36 times in the Gospel of John. That accounts for about 40% of the use of that word in the entirety of the New Testament. So out of 27 books, John uses life about half the time. So what's the purpose of the book? Why would John write this Gospel? Well, he tells us in John chapter 20, verse 31, these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. In the Gospel of John, we've talked about the theme of Jesus' divinity, these three L's, but there's also this pattern of sevens in John. Seven, after all, is this perfect number, this holy number. So let's start with seven I am's. Seven times Jesus uses the statement, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Seven times Jesus himself reinforces his divine nature. Now, if you remember the exchange between God and Moses back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, Moses is being sent to free God's people out of Egypt, and he pauses, he goes, but what if they ask me who sent me? What am I supposed to say? I love this response. God says to Moses, I am who I am. Also in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10, God says, I am he. 
and Isaiah 46, 9, I am God. Jesus was fully man, fully God. Seven titles. There are seven different titles for John in the book of John, or for Jesus in the book of John. Lamb of God, Son of God, Messiah. Jesus was fully man, fully God. There are seven signs, seven miracles pointing forward in the book of John. The first comes from the wedding at Cana in chapter 2. Something terribly tragic happens there. They run out of wine at a wedding. So Jesus takes water and turns it into wine. Everybody remembers that sign because everybody remembers a good story about alcohol. <laughs> so chapter 6, we also read about have a, a few loaves of bread, a few fish, and 5,000 are fed. Healing of the blind man in chapter 9. Now, you've got to get around the fact that Jesus actually used saliva and mud to put in the man's eyes, but the really cool part is his vision was restored. And a major account in, in the book of John, chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. See, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus who had died. He was dead. He was really dead. Not to be graphic, but John describes it as there was an odor because he had been dead for four days. But Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, out of the cave, and back to life. Jesus goes near Jerusalem to heal, to heal his friend Lazarus, sealing his faith that he would be crucified. But see, that's who Jesus is. He's love. In chapter 20, this is a bit of a spoiler alert for next week. I hope you still come. And I'm sorry to Pastor Adam. Chapter 20 talks about Jesus' resurrection. He's crucified, he died, and he was buried, but he doesn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose again. In his death, he gives us eternal life. So as we discuss, John talks about Jesus in the beginning. Well, in the beginning, the world was without form, and there was darkness. But God spoke and there was light. Similarly, Jesus comes into the world as light into darkness. As he goes into Jerusalem, he's originally met with all these cheers and excitement, but John says that darkness would reject the light because he didn't come as they had expected or hoped. Perhaps you've read about the account of the triumphal entry. It's the reason the church recognizes Palm Sunday it's the reason I'm wearing this ridiculous shirt. It's not that ridiculous. But. Today is Palm Sunday, this day that we recognize and celebrate this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. He's this long-awaited Messiah. As I shared earlier, uh, John doesn't have a great deal in common with the other Gospels, but one commonality between all, all four Gospels is this triumphal entry. It's in Matthew chapter 21, Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, and John chapter 12. So because we're talking about the gospel according to John, let's use the reference from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19, and walk through this triumphal entry. Beginning in verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that 
had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt, this reference back to Zechariah 9.9 in the Old Testament, talking about this humble king. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him, highlighting this exasperation of the Pharisees. So the waving of palm branches is why we refer to this day as Palm Sunday. It's been said by some that the waving of these palm branches symbolically indicated a victory over one's enemies. Hosanna is this Hebrew word meaning save us. The people are excited. They're hopeful that Jesus is this promised Messiah, which he was. They are hoping that a victory is coming, which it was. It just wasn't the victory they were hoping or planning for. See, they set their expectations of Jesus too low. And perhaps we do the same. Because it would be a victory far greater than any political, national, or military victory. Jesus, fully man, fully God, Savior and King, see, he was and he is so much more than that. So after we read the triumphal entry in the book of John, the gospel in the second part, chapters 13 through uh, 21, talk a lot about the final words of Jesus, his preparing his disciples for his coming death. It's where we see some pretty shocking acts. Jesus, the Son of God, this long-awaited Messiah, this Savior, takes on the role of servant. And he washes his disciples' feet. They're dirty, dirty feet because feet are gross. But in that culture, see, a superior rabbi never would have done that for his disciples. But in that act, Jesus revealed the true nature of God, not as a conquering king in any earthly terms, as somebody had hoped and assumed, but a God of self-giving love. Just as Jesus was preparing to demonstrate his love by laying down his life, in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus commanded his disciples this, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. See, acts of loving generosity are the hallmarks of Jesus. They should be the hallmarks of followers of Jesus. In the very next verse in John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What follows is a speech and a prayer by Jesus, and in this, he doesn't sugarcoat what his followers can expect to happen in the future. 
In John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus tells his disciples, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And listen to this part. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So the peace that we have is not that we can expect a pain-free life or that if we follow Jesus, everything is going to be perfectly okay. It's not. To the contrary, Jesus says, the world may hate you. You're going to have troubles, trials, and tribulations. But see, Jesus, this light of the world, shines in the darkest valleys of our life. I've had them. I'm sure you've had them too. Like Lazarus, when we feel down and out, dead, he calls us back to life. Now, I don't know what maybe you've heard in the past or maybe some of the lies that you have believed, but no one is too far gone. No one is forgotten. No matter what you've done or what you've left undone or how far you may feel from God, God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. In love, God sent his son, the light of the world, that we may have eternal life. Our God is not dead. He's not distant. He's not disconnected. He came and he cares for us and he is close to us. So we've spent four weeks now walking through all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We spent the entirety of Lent talking about the different titles and descriptions that are written about Jesus. But it's actually something from our youth group last Sunday that I wanted to leave you with this morning. Something that I think sums up most perfectly, despite all the titles and descriptions, who Jesus is at the core and at the center of our life. See, in youth group, we've been talking about Jesus and how we might describe him to others. So we gave the group pencils and paper, and we worked through some things, and ultimately, at the end of class, we asked them, who is this Jesus? So as everyone left, and I began to clean up the room a little bit and pick up papers, I actually picked up this paper. It's a paper that one of our youth had left behind. And all in this paper came this very simple but powerful response to the question, who is Jesus? He's my best friend. Life, light, and love. My hope is that you know this Jesus and you can say he is my best friend. Will you pray with me? Gracious and merciful Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who is light, life, and love. Thank you that in Jesus we may have life abundantly now and life eternal. 
Thank you for not being a God who is distant or disconnected from us. Guard our hearts and our minds this week. Let us be reminded in traffic and everywhere else to love others, even when they make it difficult, Father, to love others because that is what you have commanded us to do. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we will continue by collecting an offering. For those of you who came prepared to give an offering today, uh, you can give with cash or check in the popcorn buckets in the back corners as we leave. We'll be holding them for you. Uh, Those are a nod to the movie theater we used to be at before we moved in here. And so if you would like to give with cash or check, or if you filled out one of those physical Connect cards, you can place it in that bucket, and uh, we'd love to be praying for you this week. If you're somebody who prefers to give online or uh, to give electronically, you can do so at thepointknox.com by clicking the little button in the bottom corner and selecting, I'd like to give. Uh, However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Howdy. Hey, Adam. I did not connect the dots between your shirt and Palm Sunday until you said something. (laughs) So thank you for saying something. I can wear it this summer too, maybe. I'm pretty sure every time you've preached, your shirt has matched your sermon so far. So if you could keep that going forward, that'd be awesome. You gave me a hard time. So the Simplicity series, you did a good job of kind of ridding yourself of all your excess wardrobe. And I did that, and I was bragging to Adam. I said, hey, I've pared down my wardrobe. Amber and I have all these bags. He goes, man, every time you preach, you buy a new shirt. <laughs> so. It's a good thing it's once a month for now. Yeah, that's right. It'll get expensive otherwise. That's right. Well, we believe in this place that questions are a really healthy part of our faith. They help us connect with Jesus more. And so you're welcome to text in questions all the time, and we'll do our best to respond. Usually I get stuck with the task of responding, but since you preached today, I'm giving it to you. Um, So thank you guys for sending in all the really hard ones. I'm going to punt. All right, so the first one is actually not addressed to you, but addressed to your daughter, Mallory. Oh. All right, it says this. To the girl who sang at the Lenten service, I hope to see you up there singing again soon. Thanks, Mallory. Yeah. So keep it up. Next, She gets up, it from her mother. <laughs> she gets a lot of things from her mother. No doubt. For that, we're grateful. Hair, intellect. <laughs> Is there a difference between disliking and not believing in God or Jesus? Disliking God or Jesus or not believing in God and Jesus? Yeah, can you, I think, can you dislike God and still believe in him? Is there a difference between the two? Well, I think even the demons recognized who God was that didn't believe in him, right? So you can take issue with maybe the teachings. Uh, scripture tells us that the only, un, the only unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, right? Because God loves us enough to give us what we want. If that's presence with him, so be it. Unfortunately, that's presence or uh, a life outside of uh, his presence, then he'll give us that too. Um, but, but yeah, not believing God has consequences. So I want to ask a follow-up, a tough one. What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit since you brought that up? Uh, I'm the seminary student. You're the pastor. But I, <laughs> but I believe it means rejection of God's grace, the gift of Jesus. Correct? Somebody yeah. said yes. All right. All right. Next up. Uh, how did it only take a week to go from Hosanna, king, to crucify him? What pretty, changed? Pretty crazy, right? 
selfish expectations as to who they expected or hoped Jesus was. And we can look at them and go, man, that's crazy. Like a week, like you loved him and then you dislike him. We do the same thing. We want him to show up in a certain way. We want him to respond a certain way. We want something to come out of it because we think God is like this genie. We're going to rub the lamp and he's going to give us everything that we want. And when it doesn't happen according to our selfish plans and purposes, we go, nah, I don't need you. So because he wasn't this conquer king in earthly terms, how short-sighted it was for them to say, Barabbas, we'll take that guy and uh, crucify the Savior. Thank you. All right, let's see. We've got one more, so there's still time to sneak in a question if you've got one. Really, really hard question. This one, I think, will be simpler. Will the Good Friday service be live-streamed? I know that I'll be here because... I'm going to, you're stuck with me again, I'm sorry, on Friday night. You're going to have much to celebrate and be excited about for Easter Sunday. So I'm going to be here. I, I don't know the answer. Are we live streaming Friday? Uh, the answer to are we live streaming Friday is actually uh, in part on Chris's shoulders because oh, two weeks ago I was supposed to ask if he's able to run sound so that we can live stream. And I forgot to ask. So when I saw him this morning, I remembered I need to ask but haven't had a chance to yet. So if Chris is available to run sound, yes, we're live streaming. If not, you should just join us in person because Good Friday is my favorite service of the year. As weird as that sounds, I look forward to it so much. So Chris should be here. So we're most likely live streaming. Thank you, Chris. Adam, we're going to live stream on Good Friday. Thank you for that. See how easy that is to get your questions answered and responded to? I love it. Well, that was it. So you lucked out of all the really tough ones. Thank Good you. job. Well yeah. done. Uh, real quick, an announcement. Beginning this month, going through November, we do on the second Sunday of every month a food truck day. So after church, you can stick around for food trucks. Today we've got tacos and... Um, I forget the other truck. It's like the, what is it? Like smoothies or Acai berry, acai, acai. I don't know how to fancily say it. The taco truck is not here yet. Go to Taco Bell. So we're going to pray they show up shortly and are ready to go right away. Uh, otherwise, we're all stuck eating healthier. I'm sorry. Uh, but if you're planning on sticking around for food... Uh, There are tables in the courtyard right over here, and there's some extra tables inside in that back room by the ladies' restroom on the other side of the courtyard. If you don't know where that is, just go out these doors and down and around to the courtyard, and then you'll find another room with more tables and chairs. I encourage you, if you're here and you don't know somebody, or maybe you know a lot of people, but there's somebody else you don't know, I encourage you to intentionally, like, find a seat next to somebody you don't know and it's awkward I get it so just like shove food in your mouth and then they can't ask you questions Um, but like sit down and introduce yourself and say hello it's a great opportunity to make a new friend I also know real quick we have this morning several visitors uh, who used to be a part of First Christian Church for a while can you raise your hands if that's you thank you So for those of you who don't know, we, as The Point, have been in this building for about a year and a half, almost two years, but First Christian Church was in this building for about a hundred years, which is way cooler, and I hope to get there someday. And so, uh, what, 30 or 35 of you said, let's come back and join again. So thanks for being here today. I appreciated it. You're welcome to stick around for food as well. I've also heard from a few of you, hey, this building's changed since we left. Can we 
check it out. Uh, and I'll gladly show you around. And anybody else who's not seen more than like this space, if you want, while you're waiting for your food, uh, since there's one truck and not two, it might take a little longer. Stick around. I'll give you a tour. I'm glad you're here. Five minutes till he's here. Five minutes till he's here. That's perfect timing, right? Go to the restroom. Get your kids settled. Go enjoy the smell of fresh cut grass because it was mowed this morning. Thank you, Nick. Um, and then we'll have food shortly, all right? So before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.